Well, I'm excited to share God's word with you today. And um, I, I have uh, a word on my heart. I'm just simply entitling, I'm praying for you. And uh, we'll get into that in just a second. But I got to tell you, one of my dear friends, uh, Chad Carlin, uh, sent me a, a new dad joke this week. And, you know, back by popular demand. I mean, and by the way, if you've got a good one, send it my way. Uh, I'll, I'll, I will be glad to collect all the good dad jokes out there. And um, I love to share them, you know. It's just part of being a dad. So what did the dad buffalo say to his offspring as it headed to buffalo school? Anybody know? Bye, son. Bye, son. Bye, son. Yeah, I, I read by law that you must turn your headlights on when it's raining in Sweden. Did you know that? Problem is, how are we supposed to know when it's raining in Sweden? I, I don't know. It's pretty tough. Hey, what did the evil chicken lay? Anybody know what the evil chicken laid? Deviled eggs, of course. Deviled eggs. Did you hear they arrested the devil? Did you guys hear they arrested the devil? Yeah, they got him on possession. Uh <laughs> That was a pretty good one. Come on. Come on. You know, a friend of mine, he didn't pay his exorcist. Oh, poor guy. He got repossessed. Anyway, uh, come on. Come on. Why did the man name his dogs Rolex and Timex? Anybody know? Because they were watchdogs. That's why they were watchdogs. What do you call a dog that can do magic? Uh, a labracadabrador. <laughs> I had to practice that one. A labracadabrador. Yeah, okay. One last one. All right, for those of you that are groaning instead of laughing. What happens when it rains cats and dogs? What happens when it rains cats? You have to be careful not to step in a poodle. But anyway, all right, enough for my dad jokes this morning. Uh, let's get to God's word today. Our prophetic theme, hopefully it'll be up next week. Um, we've got new banners coming. Craig, thank you for design work on that. Our prophetic theme for the year is uh, pretty simple. It's uh, found in Psalm 46, verse 10. And it says these words, be still and know that I am God. So our prophetic theme for the year is just be still and know verse goes on to say, I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in all the earth. There's something there that I'm still unpacking in my own heart, my soul, and that is uh, somehow it's in the quietness and the stillness before God that great things happen. That words from the Father's heart come forth in such a way that it gives you direction and clarity and guidance. One of the things I do is I pray I learned this long ago from Dutch Sheets' wonderful book. Glenn and I were talking about it this week called Intercessory Prayer. But when I come to pray and to seek the Lord, uh, one of the things I've learned is just to ask God what's on his heart. Sometimes for a long time, I, I just would come with kind of my laundry list and cover my list and my prayer life really took on a whole different feel and, and meaning when I just would come before the Lord and say, okay, God, what do you want me to pray for today? And how do you want me to pray for it? I've had two different things. I won't share them in depth with you, but I've had two different things God showed me to pray for my kids in this fast. And it's been powerful, and I thought, I've never prayed that way before for them. 
thank you, Father, for showing me that. There's something key to that. So one of the things I do every day, and one of the things I count it a great privilege to do is to pray. And um, John Piper has probably my favorite definition of prayer. He just simply says, prayer is love on its knees. And uh, I want you to know, there's many, many of you that I pray for every single day. There's some of you I've prayed for for many, many, many years, and I've not missed a day, thank the Lord. And uh, I feel it's one of the areas that I can serve you, is by praying for you. And one of the things that I, that I often find in Scripture that's helpful in, in kind of knowing how to pray is um, the Apostle Paul's letters to the churches, the Apostle Paul's prayers that he prayed that were really birthed by the Spirit of God. He was a church planner, and, and much of the New Testament letters are from the Apostle Paul, and, and they give doctrine, instruction, encouragement. But in the book of Ephesians, he just prays these beautiful, rich, deep prayers. And um, I want to focus on one today that, that includes four things that I think God wants for you, that I'm praying for you, and you can pray it for me too. Uh, we're all on a spiritual journey, and, 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 and I think when you hear these four things, it'll make sense, and it'll show you what your life could look like, and, 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 and really it's birthed, I think, through the Spirit of God. I, I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the first Sunday of the year, and I want to come back to it because, quite honestly, this, this picture and this illustration has not left my heart. It's just probably this will be on my heart all year as I pray for you and I think about you. And it's the, the story of, of Death Valley. I showed you this picture and, and I told you about how Death Valley is the hottest, driest place in all of America. Nothing essentially grows there. Things die there. Things don't normally grow there. And they don't grow because it doesn't rain. Hence the title that's been given to it, Death Valley. But in the winter of 2004, something really unusual happened in Death Valley. It rained seven inches of rain over a very short period of time. And in the spring of 2005, there was a phenomena. The, the, the whole valley floor of Death Valley was carpeted in flowers and it was extraordinarily beautiful. And the term they use is super bloom. And this is the term that I just keep having on my heart. As I pray for you, as I pray for this church, as I pray for us, that we would experience a super bloom. It, it feels like we walked through a death valley, through the epidemic through, through COVID, through all the controversies and the challenges. And I, I just, man, there's seeds. There's seeds that are just, they've been dormant, but they're waiting to come to life. What, what the whole super bloom proved, and by the way, Don and Bessie were there. Don and Bessie told me this past week, they said, we lived in that area. We saw that. So you want to hear about it? Personally, ask them. What this proved is that 
Death Valley isn't dead. It's dormant, but it's not dead. Because right beneath the surface were seeds waiting for resurrection life to just burst forth. All they needed was the right conditions in order to come alive. I've been thinking this week a lot. We just read together in our Bibles the the parable of the sower and the seed, and Jesus talks about that good soil that brings forth 30, 60, and 100-fold. And I've just been praying that God would bring forth a hundredfold in those seeds that have been lying dormant in all of our lives. Here's the point. If the conditions are right, if the soil is prepared, if the soil is right, life will happen. And I believe for you and I, it's, it's, the key is getting in the presence of God. If we can find a way to shut out the world more and more, to, to get alone with God more and more, to listen in his presence more and more, I just think there's gonna be a super bloom that comes forth. I love this passage in Psalm 92. It says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I, I pray that over you uh, every day. That the people of New Song, the two words I use again and again are flourish and thrive. That you would flourish in God's presence. That what has looked dead would bloom forth in a super bloom. And uh, Psalm 16, verse 11, I love this one too. You shall show me the path of life. And in your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures for forevermore. There's a path to life. That path produces fulfillment and joy and brings with it pleasures that nothing else in this world can bring. God's made it clear, cover to cover, front to back, throughout the whole word of God. And you see it this morning in this prayer of Paul found in Ephesians chapter one, verses 16 through 18. I'm going to read it to you in two versions. Just, just I want to I massage it down, get it into your heart. I want you to see it with me. I want you to pray it with me. Pray it for one another, okay? I'm, I'm praying it for you, but you can pray it for others too, okay? Here's what Paul says. Now, I want you to look at this, right? The very first words, I keep asking. I keep asking. Right, right off the bat, he's saying, I pray this Frequently, I pray this more than once. I don't just pray it once and once, you know, one and done. I pray this repeatedly. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, and he's going to talk about four things that he prays that God would give to his people. Number one is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This morning, my wife, we were getting ready, and she was in a bathroom on our first floor, and I was in the kitchen, and, and she started unpacking the Joseph story. We, you know, we're reading through the Joseph story right now. I'm telling you, my wife had some revelation today. The Joseph story is one of my favorite stories. I've preached a, a, a long series on the Joseph story several years ago. And she unpacked something today that I could only say was given to her by the spirit of revelation, something I'd never, ever contemplated or seen in that story. 
And I've asked her, I said, honey, you, you're going to have to bring that to, to the church at some point. So put some, put some loving pressure on her, would you? Anyway, uh, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We live, we live right now in a world that's full of knowledge. And it's not that knowledge is bad, but knowledge is incomplete. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge will make you proud. Knowledge won't really show you how to live. Knowledge is not necessarily... It, here's, here's the sad thing. We have a lot of young people today that because at their fingertips they can Google anything... Let me just say, Google very rarely produces wisdom. It may produce knowledge, but there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. And um, God wants to give his people a spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is, is knowing how to take that knowledge and put it into practice in a way that you can live a life full of fulfillment and a life of purpose. And, and, and you know, it's so much more than just the knowledge about something. And sadly enough, and I'm praying for our young people, they, they have stopped touching in with or listening to the older generations because they, you know, why go to mom or dad or grandma and grandpa when I can just go right to Google? And they're missing something that the generation after generation after generation has imparted to the upcoming generations because we've sought wisdom from those who've lived longer and experienced more generally. So Paul's continuing to pray, right, repeatedly for the church that, that Jesus and the Father would give the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, so that, that's always important, right, because there's something that's going to come out of that so you may know him better, We'll break this down in a minute. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Some of you are going, I didn't even know my heart had eyes. Well, it does. We'll talk about that. In order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Isn't that a powerful passage? And it gives us some really great things to pray for one another. That was Paul's prayer for the church. This is my prayer for you. And it's a prayer that we can pray for ourselves and for others. And there's a spiritual progression there. If you didn't notice, it's, it's kind of like a continuum. And, and I want you to see it. I want to kind of take you on a little tour with it this morning. You know, shepherds love to lead and guide their, their, their flocks into green pastures and still waters. How many of you are ready for a journey into the green pastures and the still waters? Let's read it from one more version. My wife loves the message. Anybody here love the message? Yeah, me too. Like Tim Hawkins, I found the recipe to uh, 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 Rice Krispie Treats the other day in the message. It was awesome. <laughs> if you haven't heard that from Tim Hawkins, you got to hear that. Ephesians 1, 16 through 18 in the message. That's why... When I heard of the solid trust you have in the master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. It's the way I feel about you all. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and I'd give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask. Ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Check that out. 
your eyes focused and clear so you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do, so you can grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him, endless energy, boundless strength. I'm praying, first of all, that you and I would know God better. Paul said, I pray you might know God in the, in the Greek text, the word know is the word gnosko. It's an intimate term. It's, a, it's essentially the same word that, that's used in Scripture when it talks about a, a, a husband and wife coming together intimately. Adam knew Eve, they had a child. It's, it's a very intimate term. Not to sound weird or strange because it's not... Not about a, a sexual thing here, but God wants you and I to know him personally and intimately on a deeper basis, in a deeper way than perhaps we've ever known him before. One of the biggest misconceptions about Christianity is that it's a religion. Man, can I just dispel that myth again this morning? No, 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 no. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. God doesn't want you just to come to church every Sunday and check off a box because you did your religious duty. God wants you day in and day out to know him and know him personally. This verse in Matthew chapter 7, I'll be honest with you, it's always troubled me. And I'm not sure that I fully understand it. I'm not sure that I've ever heard or read in all of my theological studies anyone who has given me, you know, really an in-depth understanding of this verse. There's some verses, quite honestly, that I think are meant to trouble us that probably don't ever have a really satisfying conclusion to them. They just kind of hang out there with some real tension. This is one of them. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on, if you remember the whole verse, I'm not gonna quote all of it, but we cast out demons in your name. We did all kinds of cool things in your name, Lord. And he says, I'm just gonna tell them plainly. I never gnoscoed you. I never knew you on an intimate basis. I never knew you personally. Oh yeah, you hung around, you came to church, you checked off the box, you even did some cool things. But I didn't know you. I don't understand it, I can't explain it all. I just don't wanna be on that side of the equation. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be one of those guys who can list off a list of all the things I've done for the Lord, but at the end of the day, God's looking at me and going, I never gnoscoed you. I never knew you personally and intimately. Did all these things for me, and that was great, but I really wanted relationship with you. Every single day, when the motivations of our hearts ought to be to go deeper in our walk with God, 
Can I just tell you that if you live to be 80 years old, 90 years old, 100 years old, I think I just heard this last week, the oldest living person on the face of the earth, she was 118, she just passed away. If you live to be 118 and every single day you sought God with all your heart, you'll never get to the bottom of that well. There will always be more of God for you to know, for you to comprehend, for you to experience, for you to understand, for revelation to come forth. You'll never exhaust the inexhaustible well of God's amazing and awesome presence. There's some of us, you know, quite honestly, if we're, we're honest, we just, you know, we've been around the church for 40 years, but we've just been repeating the, the, the you know, one year over 40 times. We're not going deep with him. And God really wants you to go deep. Remember the old children's song? Remember that? Deep and wide, deep and wide. The, the, the love of God is flowing deep and wide. <laughs> Some of us are wide and not deep. Wide and not deep. God wants you to go deep so that you can go wide. In fact, listen to this. The, the deeper you go, the wider your influence will be. But do you have a heart to really gnosko God, to know him intimately and personally? Secondly, <laughs> this, is, this is interesting, right? Secondly, I'm praying you may overcome the issues that hold you back. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Like we just said a minute ago, you didn't even know you had eyes on your heart. You, you do. Your heart sees things and senses things. Your heart holds things. Jesus talks a lot about the heart. I think, I think of all things, right, the heart is key. I've said it this way before, the heart of every matter is a matter of the heart. Your heart's full of something, good or bad or indifferent, but it's full of something. And Jesus says it this way, that, that listen to the words that come out of your mouth because they will reveal what your heart is full of. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks, You want to find what's in your heart? Listen. And have others listen. Some of us, if we're honest, I mean, you know, <laughs> griping and complaining, that seems to be our spiritual gift. That isn't a spiritual gift. Doubt and unbelief, that seems to be our, you know, our thing. That is not pleasing to God. Fear, trepidation, we're just so afraid of all kinds of things. Perfect love casts out fear. Listen to your words. What are the issues, quite honestly, in your heart today that are holding you back from God's best? We all have issues. I got a boatload of them. God's been gracious, right, and just clipping off one or two at a time. I'm so thankful. How many of you are thankful like I am that God didn't show you all your issues at once? I think I would have just, I think I just would have been crushed. Just died right there on the spot. Because I couldn't have handled it. And by the way, we, we all have issues. If you don't think you do, that's your issue right there, right? It's pride. You can't even see the stinking issues in your life because you're so proud. God wants you and I to live out the best version of ourselves possible. 
Proverbs 4, I love this verse, right? For me, this is, this, is, this is a life verse. I love it. I got it on my desk. Keep your heart with all diligence for from it, out of it, spring the issues of life. You want to be tending to your heart every single day, making sure there's no sin settling in there, making sure there's no doubt and unbelief settling in there, making sure there's no gossip settling in there, making sure pride's not settling in there. Pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that God would overcome those issues in each of our lives that hold us back. There's, there's real freedom in Christ for, for, for all the things that, that, that pull back and, and hold back the people of God. And, and I'll give you four just real quick. Our, our past, God wants to bring healing and release from your past. I don't know about you, but I know some people who are still deeply rooted in their past. It's one of the things you, you discover as a pastor along the way. Some people are like tethered to their past. The past still is in their present. They've never been able to unhook themselves from a hurt, from a trauma, from a bitterness, from an unforgiveness, from something, from abuse, whatever it may be in their past. I'm not saying what was happened in their past was right. In most cases, it was really wrong. But God doesn't want you living with, with a ball and chain hooked to you from your past. He wants to free you so you can enter into your present and into the future he has for you. Remember what God says? I have a, a hope and a future for you. God wants to give you freedom from your past and from your problems and from people and from pain, right? You can pretty well sum them up with those four things, past problems, pain, and people. And this, this is really interesting, right? God, help us to overcome the issues that hold us back. This isn't one that necessarily you're going to be able to solve just all on your own. I really honestly think this is one that, that you and I, we so desperately need others in our lives. Most of the time, we don't even realize how much we need others in our lives. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You hear that and you, you kind of go, what? I'm not opening up to others. I'm not, I'm not going to be that vulnerable. I'm not, you know, what? Yeah, here's what God's word is saying. Go to God for forgiveness. But go to God's people for healing. Let me say it again because some of you have really wrestled with this. You live a pretty isolated life. You, you know, and let me just say, your isolation, it, it comes from a spirit of control. And that needs to be broken. This is the way God's word lays it out. You go to God for forgiveness, but you go to his people for healing. You pray for each other. And you've confessed those faults to one another. Does God want you to be vulnerable with other people? You bet he does. You, you want an antidote to pride in your life? Confess your faults to one another. Now, I'm not talking about just doing this randomly in any group of people. I'm talking about a group of people that love you and care for you and are committed to you. It's what we might call a life group around here. Just a couple of weeks, we're getting ready to, 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 to launch our life groups, right? Right? 
We need more hosts. We need more leaders. I would love to see every single person in this church a part of a life group and or a small group. And maybe you're a part of both. That's cool too. But you need a life group where people know you and you know people. Hebrews 10, look at this. Talk about needing each other. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You heard a compelling message last week about the potential of Christ's coming, being in our day and our time. You live in that out? Statistics say that most people in the church in America are not. They are not. The really committed churchgoer in America today comes one out of every three Sundays. Let us not neglect our meeting together, but encourage one another. Third, I'm, I'm praying that God will reveal his real purpose in your life. We're reading a book right now called Living Fearless. and Becky mentioned to me this week she had gotten it and it's really blessed her. One of the things the author talks about is just asking God for your identity and letting him reveal that in, in, in a, a very special way to you. It's powerful when he does, when you sit quietly and you ask him, what is the hope to which he has called you? Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Two of the greatest days in your life, right, are the day you were born and the day you discovered why you were born. Tragically, statistics again tell us most people never even figure that out. 87% of people in church today don't have any clue what their spiritual gift is. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Scripture calls it a spiritual gift, right? It's, it's in the Greek, it's the word charis, Okay? It's where, yeah, it's where we get that word charismatic, but it doesn't mean going crazy. It means graced. It, it, it literally means a grace gift or a divine enablement. In other words, in all honesty, there are some things that are easy for you that are not easy for me. Because you're graced for it, and I'm not. Some things are easy for me, and they're not for you. Because I'm graced for it, and you're not. And it's all okay, right? Because each of us has some graces that God has put in our lives. And when those are functioning in the context of his body, we become this whole complete body that has this impact that you wouldn't believe. But we're always hindered by those who are not pressing in and using their gifts. In other words, we're not realizing our full impact until all of us are functioning in our areas of giftedness. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So many people today, they end up chasing the wrong things. And I'll be honest, I have almost always seen that wrong end in a bad way. You chase the wrong things, you don't get a good finish. How do you find your gifts? I mean, pray. 
get involved in the church, volunteer, get on a team. Nothing, nothing will grow your life more than using the gifts that God's placed in you. And then number four, I'm praying that God will use you to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Paul says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. What is your real purpose in life? Jamie Winship in that book, Living Fearless, again, talks about this. I would so encourage you to get a hold of that. Even, even the secular world, psychologists, right, are, are discovering that it's people who have a purpose that, that are the happiest. People who are living for what you might call transcendence, right? Big word, but living for something that will outlive them. Boy, that's certainly what God's called us to, right? Living for eternity, helping others discover eternity. John chapter 15 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be complete. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, all of you together, all of us together are Christ's body and each of us is a part of it. We need you. You need me. We need each other. Together, we bring something that is just wonderful and magnificent and brings great glory to God. It's the way I look at the Harvest Project, right? Not, not any one of us can do what all of us together can do. Reach and touch the far corners of the earth. Praying these four things over you and I as we move into this new year. I'm praying for you to super bloom, for, for that blooming of God's presence and power and, and all of his good things to come forth in your life. I'm praying that you would know him better. I'm praying that you would that you would overcome the issues that hold you back. I'm praying that God will reveal his purposes to you. I'm praying that you'll use your life to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you personally, I pray right now that that issue would be resolved. Maybe they've been around the church for a long time, but they've just held you at arm's length out of fear or pride. You just break through all that this morning, Holy Spirit. And if you're here this morning and you need to know God and know him personally, would you just pray with me and say, dear God, forgive me of my sins. I, I've messed up and failed so many times. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be alive in my life. Help me to serve you and honor you. Teach me how to follow you with my whole heart. In Jesus' name. You prayed that this morning. Let me tell you, that's the start of something wonderful. Please let one of us know. We want to walk with you and champion you in that. And Lord, may each of us in this place know you better find your power and strength to overcome those things of our past find the real purpose and make a difference God help us in Jesus name